the first um, part of Ephesians, we remember it was about um, our, our stance in the Lord, what God has done for us, uh, all the amazing gifts that He's given us, all the places that He's taken us, everything that where we stand, adopted into the family of the Lord. Amen. Uh, but now we see the practical side of Christianity, and that's where it gets hard. Uh, it's easy to want to live in the heavenlies. It's hard to live in the heavenlies while walking through the worldly, right? Uh, and I believe everybody in here struggles with this. And we must remember that this was written to the Ephesians, which were a Gentile church. And these Gentiles, I think we think sometimes life changes and these people were different than we were. No, they were just like we were. They had the same hearts, they had the same desires, they had the same minds as we do. Uh, and as they were in this church, Paul reminds them, don't be looking outside as the world walks, you be walking towards Jesus Christ. And I think that they probably were having troubles just like we do. They were Gentiles who were saved by the blood, and now they are in the church, they are called to build the church, they are called to witness but as they look outside, there's still a world where they came from that hasn't changed. But yet they are called to live for God when their cousins, maybe their brothers, maybe their family, maybe their uh, co-workers were all still living as lost people. And how hard is it to take Jesus to those lost people? It's hard today, and it was hard yesterday, amen? But God strengthens us, and He gives us the ability to do it. And we are not called to be as the world, but we are called to be as Christ. And so many times, that is what uh, we see so many times in our churches and Christianity, that that's not the way it seems. It seems like so many people are caught in worldliness, where they don't look much different than the day that they were saved. And I think that's because we haven't been growing in Christ. It is important that you grow towards Jesus. And guys, if you are not growing towards Jesus, my friend, something is wrong. You are in something that is not right. And you have must be diligent and endeavor working to grow towards Jesus. You can't work for your salvation. But after salvation, there's a lot of work. Amen? And guys, we must understand that. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, just listen. It says, when I was a child... I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I believe God's calling the church to put away childish things. It's time to grow up. It's time to take your part. It's time to say, I'm going to stand in the army of God, and I'm not going to be a child sitting on the sideline no more. Amen? God has called each and every single one of us to take the armor of God and to grow as God wants us to grow. Too many Christians never mature. They, too many don't want to grow in their responsibility in the kingdom. When I was a kid, I was a kid. I grew up not far down the road. I was on Tomlinson Road down in Beasley's Bend. And 25 years ago, that was a wilderness down through there. There was no homes. There was nobody. Uh, it was very unpopulated. And me and my few friends had the run of the place. We could go anywhere we wanted to go. We would be anywhere we wanted to be. And I got to live that life where, Mama, I'm going to be home at 10 o'clock. And she didn't worry about me. I didn't have a phone. But she knew she could call the neighbor and say, Is Brandon up there? And they'd say, Yes, he is. I got him. And I'm thankful that I got to live a little bit of that life. 
where I could just be free and I could be with my friends and I could come home and I knew Mama had the dinner on the stove. She was a good cook, amen. And I remember those days. I didn't worry about a thing. How about you? Do you remember your childhood? Do you remember how carefree? I hope, I know not everybody has a childhood like that and if you don't, I'm sorry. But I did. I was able to have a mom and a dad that were home I had a mom and dad that would take me to church. I had a mom and dad that my daddy whooped me when he needed to whoop me. I had a, I had a family support system that loved me. And guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. It was living a life of no responsibility. I loved it. But as I started to grow and as I started to get older, my dad would start to instill responsibility in my life. He would say, son, you're no longer seven or eight years old. Now you're getting to be a teenager, and I'm expecting you to do some work. And he would start to show me. He would start to train me. And he said, I remember my mama would say, you're going to get married one of these days, and you're going to have to be responsible for more than just you. And so, but I wanted to live as a kid. Y'all understand, I lived a very sheltered life, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that my mom and daddy sheltered me like they did, because on the day I got married, I met Gina... I was 22 when I got married. I was pretty young. And at the day come, I was always at home. I never wanted to leave Daddy's house. I never wanted to leave Mama's house. In fact, if Gina would have allowed me, I would have said, just come on in, we'll live here together. <laughs> she didn't like that, amen? <laughs> Gina was a lot more responsible than I was, and I'm thankful that God gave me her because if it was up to me, I didn't even hardly know how to write a check. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so here we come, I'm all of a sudden, I'm married. And all of a sudden, man, we go on our honeymoon. And all of a sudden, I get back, and it's time to clean out my closet. It's time to clean out my bedroom. And my dad's saying, son, it's time to get out of the house. It's time to be responsible, and it's time to take care of what you need to be taken care of. You have a wife to take care of now, and it isn't going to be long till you have children to take care of. And you can no longer live as a child. You've got to live as a man. And I cried like a baby when I left. Amen. <laughs> Y'all say, how dare you? It is what it is. I don't care. Whatever. Everybody says, Brandon, you, you, you're hard on yourself. You know what? I have learned to use every, every single story that has been given to me. It is going to be told in a sermon one of these days. And I'll tell you a funny one. We were just married probably two, two months, maybe not even that, probably a month. We were living in Nashville. I was working for Coca-Cola. She was working down off of uh, um, near TSU. Uh, here all we're working, we're doing our thing. We're not used to living together, right? We just got married. I, she's used to being probably just doing her thing. I'm used to doing my thing. We have a routine. Well, I get up about 5 in the morning every morning to go to Coke. And so I, I usually just wash my hair and out the door I go. Well, we just got married about a week. I'm supposed to be her protector. I'm supposed to be, my dad told me, Brandon, you've got responsibility now. You're supposed to be what you need to be, amen? And I get up, and I'm washing my hair, and I'm doing what I need to do. And, you know, y'all, in the morning when you're, so, you're up so early, you're, your mind's kind of droggy, you don't know what's going on. You're, you're, you're susceptible for the kill, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm putting my head over, the, over the, 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 the bathtub there, and I'm washing my hair, and she, all of a sudden, in her young wife ways, wants to get up and be with me before I leave. That don't happen anymore, but it did then, amen? <laughs> but in that moment, 
She wants to be with me as I get ready. Honey, I just want to be with you for 30 minutes before you have to hit the road. And I'm washing my hair. She don't tell me she gets up. She ain't trying to scare me. But I've got my head over that sink like that. And guys, in that moment, I can remember my daddy telling me, be strong, be a protector, be what you're supposed to be. And I'm washing my hair. And the moment that that towel leaves, she's standing there in the bathroom. And my eyes just see the glimpse of her. And in that moment, it was a masked killer that was about to murder me. And in that moment, I stuck my hands out. Y'all, y'all say, oh, I'm a fighter. I'm a flight. I, I, I'm a flight. And so I stuck my hands out. That's just what happens. And, you know, you see, I'm like, and I scream like nobody's ever screamed before. And Gina looked at me with such disgust. What is wrong with you? And I'm saying, this is who you married. This is what you get. Amen. <laughs> but through time, I, I now am a little bit more brave. And, I, um, I, uh, and I'm, yeah, I've grown in that a little bit. Amen. But anyways... But once we're married, we have some responsibility. Bills come, food comes, rent comes, responsible for more than just me. I had to grow up. And when Jesus put a ring on my finger, the moment that he saved me, the moment that he said, Brendan, you are mine and I am yours, all of a sudden there was a great responsibility that came in my life. And I might have wanted to live as a child, but he says, no, Brendan, I now, you now belong to me and you have a responsibility now that I represent him. Each and every single person in here that has been saved, you have put the, the ring of salvation is on your finger. You have a responsibility in the kingdom of God to live as Christ wants you to live, to grow as you need to grow so you can reach the lost world around you. But last week, we talked about walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called, which is lowliness and meekness. But this week, Paul says, walk not as the world. The Ephesian church, the Gentile, it was a Gentile church. But he says, you're no longer Gentiles. You are followers of the Lord Jesus. And you guys today, you are no longer who you were. When you got saved, you are no longer who you were. You are not a citizen of the United States. You are a citizen of heaven. Amen. You might be passing through this old world, but you belong to Jesus Christ, and that is what we must remember who we are. But look on Ephesians 4, uh, starting at verse 17. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Have, and he must have had some people in his church struggling with this, don't you think? He's saying, guys, don't. He said, walk, don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. That's tough, but we're going to dig into that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Thank you for those that are here today, Lord. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for a time to be able to laugh. I, I think you do want us to laugh and have a good time. Uh, there's a time for everything, and there's a time to get serious. There's a time to laugh. And I pray now, Lord, that you help us get into a time of listening to your word. Let your word sink into our hearts. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you let your word move us. Uh, and, Lord, thank you, God, for all that you do. Forgive us, we fail you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, but here we see the first of all, he says, guys, when you, I'm saying to put on a new man. He says, walk not as other Gentiles walk. And then he says, in the vanity of their mind. 
Do you guys remember that there was a time in your life that you walked in the vanity of your mind? And I think not only do we sometimes walk in the vanity of our mind, that was what we used to be, but if we're not careful, we look in a world around us that's still walking in that way, and before you know it, even us as Christians are looking into that world again. We're starting to put our foot right back in that world where it used to be. And before you know it, we don't look much different than we were before we were saved. That's not a good place to be. And Paul says they walk in the vanity of their mind in verse 17. This vanity is an empty illusion of life that sin satisfies. When men push God out of their minds, uh, if you are careful, if you aren't walking daily, if you are not in prayer, God will often be the last thing on your mind. Now, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. As nasty as our world is and as temptations that are on every single corner... And every single time you cut on the news and it seems like it's bad, and every single time you see nothing but uh, separation and unity and all these things, you better be guarded up in your relationship with Jesus or you will end up focusing so much on everything else that God is never on your mind. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. You can't walk the Christian life when God is tucked somewhere far away and you never talk to Him you never even think about Him. Guys, we must have God at the forefront of our mind. But so many times we live as if God doesn't exist. We're called practical atheists. Where we say that we believe in God, but our life doesn't show that we believe in God at all. Now, if there's somebody in this place today that's living that way, my friend, get it right today. The Bible says, Then said He unto me in Ezekiel 8, 12, He says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his own imagery, for they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord has forsaken the earth. Ezekiel's talking about men who would live as they wanted to live behind the scenes. They would live as if God wasn't watching. They would live as if God wasn't looking. They would say, has God, is He even walking the face of the earth anymore? My friend, yes, He is. And the same God that's ruling and reigning in our world is the same God that can look down in your life. And so many times that we live as if God is not in the dark places. We go home and we live a different way than we do in public. My friend, if you live a different private life than you do publicly, something is wrong. I would almost rather you live wild as a deer publicly and privately than to live as if you were holy here and absolutely living like the devil at home. There is no respect in that. And if you're somebody here today that you say, well, Brandon, that's me, there's a place you can go to that you can have forgiveness and it is at the feet of the cross. But what dominates your mind? Your lust, your wants, your negativity, your pride. What today at Hillcrest Baptist Church is in the mind of of her people? Are we dominated by things that we shouldn't be dominated for? 
Because where your heart is is often where your mind goes. Amen? And if your heart is all concerned about you, you are going to be dominated by what is in here. And I hope and pray that we want to be dominated if what's in here is filled with Jesus and that no matter what is on the next side of the road, we can be okay because we know Jesus is in here and we know Jesus is going there and we understand that even when I don't see, I can believe by faith. Amen? But so many times we are dominated by everything else. There's people here that are dominated by lust. And all you can think about is lust. There's people that are dominated by their wants. All you can concentrate on is what you want, what you want to see happen. And that is where your mind is all the time. There's some of you that's been hurt. And all of a sudden, you can't think about nothing else but your hurt. Amen? All of a sudden, when you go to bed at night, your mind is not on Jesus Christ, but it's on everything else but Jesus Christ. And you wonder why you're not happy. You wonder why you don't have peace. And you wonder why you don't have joy. Amen? What dominates your mind? I believe Satan is on the move, filling our minds with everything that he can to distract us from God's voice. Have y'all ever been there where you just don't hardly hear God's voice and you want to hear God's voice? You want to hear Him, but you've got so many distractions around you that are saying so loud in your ears and God's small voice it gets more faint and more faint and more faint. And everything else is in your ear and you just can't get around it. Guys, that's a scary place to be. And it's hard to walk for Jesus when we can't hear His voice in our life. What do we have to do to get all of the distraction out of our life so we can hear the presence of God again? Because I'm going to be honest with you guys, I can't walk the Christian life without the presence of God. And there's times that I try. There's times that I try to do this in the flesh. There's times that I try to do it with my power. And there's times that I absolutely hit my face in failure because God wasn't anywhere near it. But then there's times where I say, God, I'm in tune with what you want me to be. I'm walking with you. I'm in tune with you. I'm gotten rid of the distractions. And there is, you are filled with a power that is beyond all understanding. Amen. And God says, that's what I want for your life on a daily basis basis, not just when things go bad. But so many times we are, end up walking in a vanity of our mind like lost people. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. He's saying, guys, don't be looking outside where unbelievers walk with their understanding darkened. Understanding means to grasp or to comprehend. Darken means to be blinded and unable to see. So many times we only understand what I can see, feel, or touch. And we see a people that have faith in everything but God. And they are called spiritually blind. We are blind to God's holiness. We are blind to God's righteousness. We are blind to sin and its consequence. And so many times we are blind to Jesus and His gospel. But it is our job to shine the light of the gospel. It is our job. The Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath binded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. 
Guys, I want us to understand there is a lot of blind people out there that have no clue which way to go. There's a lot of people that are dying in loneliness. There's a lot of people that sin is wrecking their life. There's a lot of people that, man, every single day they get up in despair. And guess who has the answer? You and me. And it is our responsibility to go to those people with the one and the only that can help them in their problems, and that's Jesus Christ. I tell so many of the kids all the time, Brendan, how do I help a friend? The worst thing you can do is give your friend your advice. You give them Jesus, amen? And there's a lot of times that I don't know the answers, but Jesus does. And if he can't do it, I can't do it, amen? Jesus is the only, he is the only way. And we must instill that again to the people that are blind that there is a light into this world named Jesus. There was a time when I was at, my, at a church my, uh, a few years ago at Ramah, and there was, a boy, there, was some, there was two guys there, and I think it was spiritual immaturity. They haven't matured in their walk with Jesus, and I think they were trying to do good. I think their intentions were well. And they called me one night, and they said, Brandon, we've picked up a homeless man off the street, and we've brought him home. And I need you to come over right now and witness to him. And I said, okay, I'll come. He's in my house where we've given him some food. We've done everything that we can do, but now we need you to come and witness to him. And I understood it. Maybe they weren't quite ready. Maybe they didn't feel ready. But they had gotten this man from where he was. They had brought him in. They had clothed him. They had fed him. They'd done everything they could do. That's some good stuff, amen? Then I get over to the house. And this man gets to, first thing I notice, there are beer cans everywhere. And as I got to talking to this homeless man, he said, I'm an alcoholic. I struggle with alcohol. It's cost me everything in my life. And the first thing that these two did was give him alcohol. They said, we want to reach you for Jesus Christ. And the first thing they did was put in his hands the thing that has destroyed his life. Guys, I think so many times Christians want to relate to people by being like them. We want to relate to people by being the cool Christian. We want to relate to people by not stepping on their toes. We want to relate to people by being an easygoing, man, acceptable Jesus. And if they will listen to that acceptable Jesus, then maybe we can get them saved. My friend, you didn't lead them to the real Jesus. Amen? That Jesus is the one that can save them, but they must recognize their sin. And the worst thing that a Christian can do is partake in the sin of a lost person. But so many times we take advantage of grace. Well, God's okay with my cussing. God's okay with me drinking. God's okay with it. He saved me by grace, so therefore God's good with it. No, He's not. He saved you to change you. Not to stay in the same old mess. You are never going to reach a lost world by being just like the lost world. And I'm afraid that's what we've done. We have tried to reach people for Jesus while not living for Jesus. And therefore, we have replicated ourselves, which are people that don't truly follow Jesus. Get your mind wrapped around that. You go to every house today in Wilson County and almost everybody says, I know Jesus. You don't know him. Do you go to church? No, I don't go to church. Do I live for him? No. Do you study his word? No. 
Do you pray? No. Do you witness? No. Do you do anything that God's called you to do? No. But I know him. No, you don't know him. Somebody somewhere along the way has told you that that's the Jesus that you serve. No, my friend, the Jesus that I serve is the holy Jesus in God's Word. Guys, we cannot reach the lost world by being like them. We have got to be the light into their path. We must show them that there is a light. We must show them that there is a way to break through the darkness, and that is only through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And then he says, see, he says, come on, guys. Unbelievers walk around alienated from the life of God. You don't want to be that no more. Verse 18 says, having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Alienated means apoliotrio. I don't know if I said that right, but I did it the best southern way I could. It says to be estranged, cut off, detached. So many people are hostile. So many people are angry. Why? Do you guys ever drive to Nashville very often? When I was a route man, I got flicked off about five times a week. Amen? And that was just because they didn't like the way I was driving. There's people that are so hostile so fast. They're just walking around in anger. They're walking around just being mean. And you try to come to them with a little bit of friendliness, and they're saying, what's your problem? And it's like, man, what's going on in your life? What's going on? What makes you so mad? You got one life, and I'm telling you, they're wasting it. Because they realize they're, they're trying to fill their life with everything and anything, and it is not fulfilling them. Each and every single one of us have a heart, and your heart can only be filled by one person, and that is Jesus. And so many people, even in the church, try to fill their life with everything but Christ. Man, I would be happy if I could only. I would be happy if I get. I'll be happy. No, you won't. Until you are walking with Jesus daily, surrendering to Him, making Him Lord of your life, understanding that the same God that saved you is the same God that's going to see you through, that's when peace comes in. When you realize that God is good, when you realize that He is holy, and you realize He is righteous, and you realize that you ain't none of them. Amen? But He loves you anyway. But so many people are hostile, they're angry. Why? Because they are separated from the joy giver. They're trying to find joy in worldliness, but they're left and hurt. There was no joy for that demonic man in the Bible when he was strapped onto those walls, was it, Clayton? He was miserable. There was no joy for him when sin had taken everything that he had and he was alone. And he just wondered if somebody was going to come in his way. But Jesus just went across the sea for him. And he stepped off that bank and said, Son, I've came for you. And we see the story. That man was changed. Jesus, can I follow you? Jesus, can I go with you? No, you stay where you are and tell the world about me. There is no joy for that woman who had an issue of blood, who was left alone because of her disease. There was no joy for her. She was alone. She was sad. But Jesus came her way. And the moment that she touched the hem of the garment, the Bible says she was made whole. And not only that, there is no joy for those lepers that were on the other side of the fence. 
There was no joy for those men where their disease had separated them from their homes, from their family, from everything that they ever wanted. They were alone and they were afraid and they were scared and their fellowship with each other wasn't enough. They had to have fellowship with the one that could give them true fellowship. And they said, Jesus, will the people you please heal us? And Jesus touched the ones that nobody else would touch. And maybe you're somebody here today. You say, Brandon, there's no way God could touch me. There's no way God could love me. There's no way God could look through my sin and heal me. Yes, he can, my friend. He will touch you where nobody else will. He will say, there is nothing too bad that I cannot heal. There is nothing too bad that I can't forgive if you will just call out my name. But so many times we live as these people, as castaways, and we're sad and we're lonely. And it didn't matter how much company they had. Guys, I want you to even understand this in church. How many times do we go to church on a Sunday and we're happy because we're with other people and it's fun and you get to laugh and you get to have a good time and you have fellowship and you feel pretty good for a little bit, but then you go back home, nobody goes with you, and that you're sitting there again all by yourself and all you're left with is you and the same struggles that you've always had. Let me tell you something. Fellowship is good with people when your fellowship is right with God. But there's nobody that can fill your fellowship like God can because He's with me even when I'm alone. He's with me when I'm by myself. He's with me when I have nobody to turn to. He's with me when I have nobody to talk to. He is still with me when I can't have a conversation with anybody, but I can still go to God and give Him every single bit of my problems. And He says, Son, I want your problems. Lean on me. I will help you. And I'm telling you, there is a peace beyond all understanding when we get off our knees after talking to God that I can do anything, I can go anywhere, and I can absolutely don't have to understand what's on the other side of the hill because I know God that is with me right now. But so many times, only one had the power to bring them home from alienation. Have you experienced fellowship with God or just fellowship with people? Is your Christianity based on people? Are you basing your Christianity on Sunday school classes? Are you basing your Christianity on baptisms? Are you basing your Christianity on anything other than Jesus Christ? My friend, that will leave you as empty as if you never even heard His name. There's only one that can give you true peace. There's only one that can give you true fellowship, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then we go and look on in verse 19. It says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. He's saying, guys, don't be looking outside. Those unbelievers are past feeling. You say, what does that mean? They had become apathetic. They had become immune to sin. They no longer felt. They were calloused. And friend, if you are at a point where your heart is hard, sin has become acceptable, you're in a dangerous spot. Now, I want to ask you here today. You say, Brandon, I used to be walking with Jesus. And you had a sin that you've always struggled with. You had that one thing that's always been your struggle. No matter what it is, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you got that one sin that you say, God, if I could just defeat this one, I'd be just fine. 
If I could just get past this one, I could live for you. But I just got this one, Lord. Everybody else has got four and five and six, but I just got this one. Are you okay with this, this one? Because, Lord, I don't know what to do. I can't hardly beat it, and I just might as well accept it. And before you know it, that sin that used to rock your life, that used to absolutely convict you every time that you struggled with it, every single time that you fell, you were brokenhearted over your sin now has become acceptable in your life. And you have said, God, I might as well just go on with it. And where it used to convict you, it used to beat your heart. Now it has become just a, it's okay. Guys, there are people that are past feeling. And I believe there's a lot of people in our world. Now God is still saving. But there's a lot of people that have been turned over. There's a lot of people that have said no one too many times. And where they used to sit in church and feel conviction, where they used to hear the word and it spoke to their hearts, where they used to absolutely say, God, I've got to come back in repentance. Now they just sit, never feeling a thing. Guys, that is a scary place to be where you no longer feel the presence of God. And guys, if you are a person here today that you've said, my sin has become calloused, my sin has become immune, and I have accepted it, my friend, you need to turn to Jesus right now. Because His Word says that He can give you a heart of flesh and not a stone. Amen. And I still believe that God can reach down into even the hardest of hearts and save people. And then He goes on to say, guys... Don't give over to lasciviousness. Don't give over to it. Verse 19, who being in the past have given themselves over uh, to all work on cleanliness and greediness. When one indulges in sin, see, that's what happens. You start to become immune to sin. You start to become okay with sin. You start to all of a sudden no longer be endeavoring to fight sin. And you look into the world and everything that they're doing and you've compared yourself to them for so long that you've accepted where you are and it isn't very long till you are indulging in it. And all of a sudden, you have become so polluted that every part of your life has been taken. Guys, I've been one time in my life where God, where sin polluted me. I mean polluted me. I've told you all about it. When I, a bad thing happened, and for me, it was anger towards another brother. It was, it was all these things. I'm not getting into that. I'm just telling you how sin takes over your life. And before you know it, it is in all your members. It, you can't get it out of your head. You can't get it out of your heart. And before you know it, you're walking around like these people that are so mad and they're so grumpy. And you say, why am I so mad? Why am I so grumpy? Because you can't be happy in sin. And it steams out of you. And these people that are lost, they're living as the world and they're hating life, it's because they have turned their eyes away from God who loves them. But if we're not careful, Christians can look a lot like them. And guys, I hope and pray that we want to be close to God 
We must pray. We must walk with Him. Our relationship must be right with Him. Because if not, our prayers can be hindered. Our walk can be non-existent. Our relationships can be ruined. Our joy can be taken. Our peace cannot be here. And Paul is begging this new believing church. And you say, God, Brandon, are you talking a lot? I'm talking to everybody. Because this was written to believers. This was written to the, the new believers in the Ephesian church. Do not be taken over by what you were. Understand what you are. Do not walk as the world. We can't. And there is nothing for you over there. And guys, I want you to understand, we got time for an invitation today. There's plenty of time. And if you're walking any which way but the right way, there's an altar that you can come to. I think Christians have been infiltrated more today than they ever have in history. Every single time you cut the TV on, it's crap. Every single time you cut the radio on, it's mess. Every single time you go to town, it's somebody cussing. Every time you go to a ball game, it's somebody talking sorry. Every single time, every place you go, it's an infiltrating. And if you are not guarded up, you will become immune to it. And you can't tell me that you haven't even had that where you used to see a commercial on TV and you said, I can't believe that's on TV. Now, it don't even bother me. I look right over it. And then it doesn't take long to your life is that way. Well, you're looking over things in your life. You're looking over things that used to bother you. And now they don't bother you because you have been infiltrated by the world and you're no longer convicted by sin because the world has made everything acceptable. But just because it's acceptable to the world, you know it is enmity with God. And I'm asking you today at Hillcrest Baptist Church, we got good days ahead. But I believe that every man and every woman need to be a part. And how awesome it would be, how amazing it would be if every Christian was using their gifts. How amazing would it be if every Christian was walking with Jesus? How amazing would it be if every Christian was saying, I'm witnessing today. Brandon, I got somebody that I led to the Lord today. I just want you to know that God used me. I want to pray that everybody in here has a light bulb moment where there is a moment that you get saved, there's a moment that He saves you, but there's a moment also where you decide that I'm going to become a disciple and I'm going to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. That's where we're missing. We've said, God, I trust you to save me, but I don't trust you with my life going forward. All I wanted was salvation. No, my friend, you're missing it. God wants to use you in an everlasting way. And I say it because I was that delivery driver. I was that coke man. I was the guy that just got up week after week, day after day, and we came to church on Sunday, and I forgot about him on Monday. I lived that life. But there was a day that God drastically changed my direction. And the light bulb came on in my life. And I said, there is a better way. There is a real way. And the only way is by the way of the cross, following Him all the way. I say it week after week. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. 
and the peace and joy that come into my heart, I got to start reaping the benefits of my walk with Jesus instead of just enduring. And I think there's a lot of Christians that are enduring. You're enduring, but you're not thriving. My friend, you can. The same Jesus that saved you is the same Jesus that will take you to the other side. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. It doesn't matter. Today is the day. Don't wait another moment. Say, God, I am yours. God, you are mine. And God, I am going to go. I'm going to witness to more people than Travis Humes. I'm going to witness to more people than David. I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm going to sing to the mountaintops better than Troy could ever sing because I serve the same Jesus. Amen. I'm going to love people because I want to love people. I want to be used by God. And I pray today that you want to be used by God for you and nobody else. That you want to be close to the Lord.